if you're a premium provider in your niche, like you've got the highest price and you've got a brand reputation that affords you that ability, then in troubled times, you have options. And one of the options you have is to become middle priced seller or even be the low price leader. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, from May 2021 to May 2022, the consumer price index for urban consumers increased 8.6%. That's the largest 12-month increase since December 1981, when I was 10 years old, and I am not a young man. And so it's just incredible how impactful the inflation situation is touching our economy. This climate now that's created is the biggest threat to business owners, in my view, since I, I would assume the last 50 years. What it means is it used to be you versus your competitors discovering how much pricing power there was in the market and what customers would pay for a product. Now it's you versus your competitors versus massive inflation. And it's like a third party has entered the war. And we have to understand what this means for us as e-commerce sellers. In this conversation, we're going to dive into that. We're going to discuss how to look at the situation, how to respond and what's going on generally. And, and how it impacts our e-commerce operations. Michael, are you ready to dive into this important topic? Absolutely, yeah. I would say um, what's interesting to me, just as a prelude to the direct topic, is the general context of e-commerce has been in a period with the odd blip, but especially for third-party sellers on Amazon or those who've been selling on Shopify, any of these platforms don't exist really in a time of recession, I think. So this is for anyone in e-commerce directly, I think an absolutely new experience. Whereas of course, for anyone who's been around for a very long time, it's not a new experience, but it has been a long time since these kinds of things have been around, hasn't it? This very Mm -hmm. reminiscent Mm -hmm. of the 70s in the UK with protectionists against Europe. There's a lot of strikes. People are asking for 7% pay rises, which is still below the inflation rate and getting 3% and going on strikes. And this is very much the sort of return to the past and oil price shocks due to war, etc. So I think that this is not unprecedented. It is just simply um, not not something that we've experienced in uh, recent history. That's all. So you you were saying that we're now fighting on three strike three fronts. So yeah. what is the sort of outcome for the uh, for the e-commerce operator? Well, I think most operators, if they have cost of goods that have rising amounts of rising costs in their supply chain, they're going to lose a lot of profit. 
And so the profitable e-commerce operators will lose profit. The not profitable e-commerce operators will go from bad to worse. And if you've been trying to scale a business and you haven't really been focused on profit, maybe you've just been going after top line revenue, hoping to get scale, your margins are going to go from bad to worse in, in many situations, depending on the costs associated with your supply chain for your cost of goods. That means the weakest companies will go out of business. And many people will just uh, capitulate. They'll just say, I can't do this. Uh, you know, I, I can't run my business in, in the red uh, for this long, this badly. Now, it also means a small percentage of savvy operators, in my view, will be creative in their pricing, will be creative in their supply chain structures, and will become opportunistic and will take leadership and maybe take new leadership roles in their category. And maybe new entrants will emerge that will be shiny and happy and new and priced wisely and will succeed in this new climate. I would assume they'll do that on the basis of of, of appeal to value and they'll be creative in how they attract customers. But then the, uh, the final piece there will be that old market leaders will fall off and new market leaders will emerge. Old market leaders might fall off just because they're asleep at the switch and they don't actively manage their pricing and they don't understand how tenuous the situation is in terms of pricing. Or maybe they feel like they can't manage their pricing. They're painted them in themselves into a corner and they can't manage their pricing creatively, whereas new entrants can. And that'll be the basis upon which new entrants overtake the old guard. So this is going to be a turbulent time. I would say in in general, most companies are going to be less profitable if they're dealing with physical goods. And uh, that's just the reality of it. Because inflation is eating away at their profit margin. Yeah, some very good insights there. One of which I think is optimistic. And I think that's really important to bear in mind. So I think that to your last point first, I think a lot of people who are have been in the game for a while will have built up overhead almost by accident it just happens mm-hmm. unless you cull doesn't it but yeah. also it will have been overhead that was an appropriate overhead structure if they were reasonably profitable well-run businesses for a situation in the world that i think is not going to exist in the future so i'm in a sense very bearish on this but i'm equally as you say bullish on the idea that savvy operators can scale i think that one of the things to that point of the weakest companies going out of business those are two sides of the same coin i'm already way earlier than i was expecting seeing deals starting to come across my desk and certainly those of the mastermind where people are just going out of business who are their comp- competition. Uh, yeah. Some of the mastermind members, sadly, a couple of them have actually almost basically gone out of business due to COVID. Then post-COVID and with inflation pressions on top, some of them are saying their competitors go out of business. And actually one of them had a competitor reach directly out to them and say, would you like to buy some of our assets? And obviously they're in a very strong position to negotiate. And it could be in a real expansion opportunity. Could, the brand exposure and brand assets that this company has are very yeah. powerful. Yeah. But the back end was not well run. And to your point about op- the, the back end sort of cost structures were, I think, really pretty mm-hmm. appalling. So good this opportunities is, starting up. Yeah, this goes back, what you just described goes back directly to our conversation about the uh, the star principle and the 80-20 rule from Richard Koch, which is uh, advantage accrues more advantage. And if you're a strong operator in this context, in this climate, and you have competitors that are weaker than you, they're going to get more weak. And if you can stay ahead of them, they might capitulate and they might. That's amazing. That happened already in your group. What this means is that if you're the strong and your competitors are the weaker, you might very well double. You might grow through acquisition, basically. 
you might end up getting the brands that you hated and that you fought against. You might now own them and then you yeah. can't hate them so much. Yeah, yeah. You... <laughs> it's a very good uh, point because the mastermind member who's discussing this, which obviously the details of which are very confidential, but I'm sure. to say that it's happening in general, was saying that he's had a couple of mastermind members have had some experience of taking over a business and mm -hmm. trying to integrate the staff. And one of the issues is exactly what you just said, that your brand, your Joe Blogs brand, the Miles brand takes over the VZ mm -hmm. brand. And then suddenly all the Miles people are like, VZ, but they're rubbish hate, products. We like, we've you. been saying that. <laughs> we hate you. And suddenly they've got to make friends with it. And that can often... Mm -hmm often be very problematic a gear change mental switch so that it's yeah. not without its challenges but then everything goes its challenges as you say the star principle absolutely applies what i think is interesting though is the star principle traditionally just to put a nuance on it is about being part of a growing market and being the mm -hmm. market leader what i think a lot of us mm -hmm. are going to have to make friends with is being part of overall at least temporarily shrinking markets and mm -hmm. gaining mar gaining business growth by right. gaining market share which either means buying out the competitor which is complex but yeah. ultimately you're taking the fight off the board or fighting super hard for market share which is going to be brutal i think the question is how are you the market leader the, if you're the market leader because you grew fast with a lot of debt maybe you had some kind of investors or something like that but you didn't have margin then you're the market leader on shaky, on shaking ground, on sinking sand, to use the biblical Sunday morning meta metaphor. You've built your house on sinking sand, no profit, no, no real financial solid foundation. Whereas if you're the cash cow, which Richard Catch doesn't advise people to be the cash cow or the leader, but that means you're the one who's really just, it's a slower growth situation, but you've really got a lot of profit coming in. In a time like this, if there's a big recession coming and a lot of people are going to exit the market, you want to be somewhere in the middle. You want to be the market leader, but not the market leader with flim flam. You want to be the market leader with real cash on the balance sheet and a strong financial position. Because then as the 80-20 rule dictates advantage will accrue to those who have advantage. Those who have will have more. And those who don't will have even what they have taken away from them to use the Matthew principle mm -hmm. phrasing of it. And uh, so I think that's what's going to be happening. And inflation will absolutely kick that in. And you're right to say that COVID was already a whack to mm -hmm. many businesses. I hadn't thought through that component of it. But the reality is that many business, good businesses were damaged tremendously by COVID. Yeah, A few businesses were benefited by it. They came out of it stronger. And uh, so that creates a whole turbulent situation that this whole new layer of craziness sits on top of. The final thing I'd say about the COVID thing is two things. Number one, like a lot of the time, all governments in the world, and probably quite rightly, occurred, incurred debt of all kinds, metaphorical and directly just debt. Mm -hmm. So did some of the businesses within them. So in other words, they paid for a lot of people to do nothing probably quite rightly, maybe not, you can argue, but they did. And now they've got to pay that back. So governments will not be supporting people who've still got the post-COVID effects. Actually, that's the first thing. Yeah. So that's leading, I think, to what I was, again, expecting to come earlier is the sort of COVID effects on businesses and a lot of businesses going into business yeah. and selling their assets. That's yeah. now happening later than I was expecting. Yeah. But the other thing is that we don't live in a post-COVID world in terms of supply chains. In America, in Europe, in the UK, everyone's wandering out without face masks. Nobody cares at all. A friend of mine's been living in California and says they're much stricter there. So there is kind of post-COVID. China is in the opposite. They're in the biggest lockdown ever in, in yeah. their history and they're good at lockdown. We are not in a post-COVID world. So we're getting hit from right. all sides just quotes and quotes from COVID and then inflation comes on top. So no wonder it's, it's challenging. So yeah, just, I was just going to say, just to speak to that, I just was listening to the All In podcast. I love that podcast. And those guys were just talking about this. And they quoted Jerome Powell, who has said, apparently the Fed chair, in essence, 
He's willing to destroy the economy to combat inflation. That's the those are the horns of the dilemma he's on. He to to really combat inflation. His lever, his pulley he can move is the interest rate. He raises that thing up and up and up and the economy is just going to get worse and worse. It's going to do monumental damage and that's the dilemma. There's only it's binary like that. It's like inflation versus the interest rate. Yeah. And so what that means is there's going to be massive pain in the market. That's just the reality of it. So anyway, yeah, it's it's a complex time, yeah. but man, for business and e-commerce operators, people are still going to be buying toilet paper yeah. and they're still going to be buying a toilet bowl cleaner. And to, I don't know why the folks on the toilets, they're still going to be buying toilets. This is going to be a lot of discretionary spending is going to go by the wayside. And yeah. um, the basics will become more important than ever. But to the point of this podcast conversation, I think the question is, how does pricing play into all of this? And I think that's probably the thread we want to pull on today just to go go down that road a bit. So, Absolutely. One final question on macroeconomic piece then, because it is, as you say, it is now suddenly a bigger, ever bigger part of our thinking rather than just, oh, that's in the background. I can focus on mm-hmm. what comp- competitions are doing. So what do you think are the root causes uh, of this? And I guess we've talked about some of this. Is it a universal truth you're describing as perhaps a better question? Yeah. And I think the question is for, is it universal? Is, is this situation going to impact all e-commerce sellers? I would say the e-commerce sellers that operate in the physical product space are most at risk. And inside that risk group, the e-commerce sellers that operate with what you might call discretionary product lines or products that are aspirational, maybe brands, that kind of stuff. It's not toilet paper and eggs and peanut butter and stuff like that. It's more the luxury watches or Mont Blanc pins or things that people can say, I really wanted that, but maybe I'll wait five years. It wasn't really a need to have. It was a want to have. I think operators in those types of spaces will be the most at risk. Operators that are, you know, maybe in a retail arbitrage space, kind of entry level kitchen table entrepreneurs that are sourcing items that are new in the box at a garage sale and can buy for a dollar and can resell for $17 or $39. I think those sellers will be fine. I think that the private label sellers who have good margin and are in a needed, you know, product category will be fine. I think digital goods sellers that are in the right types of niches will be fine. I could explain more on the digital seller side. I know that's such a niche situation, but that's the one I live in the most. But but the, some of those people would be fine. Others won't be. And I think it's it, it gets broadly applicable what's happening. I think the inflation hitting the economy obviously hits all consumers and so is universal. And the Pricing strategy, therefore, is is an opportunity for all sellers or a requirement for all sellers to think through. And so I think in that regard, the inflation versus your pricing strategy is a universal. The category you're in is a secondary consideration in terms of how aggressive you have to be to solve your specific problems. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, so in other words, it does apply to everyone, but some people are in a much more defensible position than others, mm-hmm. if I'm summarizing correctly. Yeah. I think the yeah. other thing I would say finally is this, that understandably central bankers and governments tend to say things like, this problem is temporary, which is understandable because it becomes self-perpetuating, especially somebody at the Fed says something, the Fed Mm -hmm. chairman sneezes Mm -hmm. the wrong day and the entire world, the stock market falls down a percentage point. Having said that, I don't think we should believe that. And I really think that 
there's an underestimation of how big the coming trends could be without going too deep into this just a final thought on on the macro stuff before we get into how to solve it yeah. um, according to zion there are a couple of things above all demographics and america's withdrawal from the world militarily which is a verifiable statistical thing both the particular demographics does mean that most countries will not have the people that provide capital are mostly going to retirement and the baby boomer generation and the people that consume and are the cheap producers in most countries including especially china and most european countries are going in are not being produced in many numbers because people stopped having kids a long time ago america is probably the most proof against that uh, mm -hmm. in the world generally. So I think there's going to be a very big division between what happens in America in two, three years time versus what mm -hmm. happens in Europe and UK. I think that one of the things I'm trying to encourage everyone to is just if you're not already selling in the United States, it's not going to be a nice to have, it's going to be a must have. So mm -hmm. for me, that's another who's vulnerable, who's not thing. I think if you're selling to Germans right now, that mm -hmm. could get ugly and it could do so within a matter of months, I think, in terms of consumer demand. We're framing this all as very negative stuff, which it is, <laughs> but I think we've already started to pull through a couple answers. Our prescriptions. One prescription I'll just mention, and then I want to go into what you just described, but one prescription I'll mention is the uh, the marketplace you sell on itself is a prescription to think through. What marketplace offers you the best margins? And that's a certain, a, certainly a consideration for every e-commerce seller. Can you make more money selling on XYZ marketplace than the other? That analysis is really super central right now because the profitability of it is most important. That, the question is what marketplace provides you the most profitability? That's one thing. You just described another question, which is which, which geographic market provides you the most opportunity? So to, to your point, yeah, I think that's a second thread to pull on or lever is what geography provides me with the most profitability opportunity. And if you're a European seller, then it's you, maybe the US is the answer. I think those two things by themselves are moving your chess pieces around the chessboard. It's not really a pricing strategy. It's a location strategy, which is very valid. And then there's pricing strategies that can be brought to, to bear. And uh, so I want to talk through those as well. But any thoughts on the geography and the marketplace considerations? Yes, uh, just one simple thing, which is to your point, which I think is absolutely bang on. Uh, it used to be you versus your competitor. Now it's you versus your competitor and in inflation. I would add into that as a separate thing, you versus your competitor versus very, in some cases, sharply dropping demand. And I think if the demographics mean that everyone in Germany is retiring, which they are, and yeah. there are fewer young people in Europe as a whole, which is true, we're, we're a very old continent compared to everywhere else, including America, apart from China. Yeah. That means it used to be that Germany would be a great opportunity for an American or UK-based seller because people get freaked out by the fact that it's a different language. There are a few yeah. US sellers. There are fewer Chinese sellers there than in the UK and the US and really solid, wealthy consumers. So that was a great opportunity. I think mm -hmm. going forward, sadly, I'm a German speaker. I love the country and the culture, but sadly, I think going forward, the consumer demand could crater based on the Ukraine war, depending what happens this coming autumn, depending when you listen to this, the demographics are a longer term trend. That could be basically a place that has been an amazing opportunity, mm -hmm. could turn into basically mm -hmm. a, a bit of a damp squib, whereas America will continue to be very competitive and get more competitive. But it may be the only place in the world left with really solid consumer demand, at least for a period. What did um, you just I call it? I'm Was that a British colloquialism? A, a damp squib. Is that <laughs> what is as that? disappointing? <laughs> I guess it's a bit like you light a firework and it goes and then sort of fizzles out. <laughs> a dud. <laughs> okay yeah it's a dud so, all right Brit yeah, britain yeah. will continue to export bizarre um yeah. 
bits of language that Americans don't understand, but we may not have such good consumer oh <laughs> consumption in the future. Squib. So look, I guess we're coming Wait, to what's the a squib? What a squib. I think we I may be even... going down a rabbit hole here. So let, let me <laughs> okay, bring me let, let, let me bring us back. Okay. So apart from the diet macroeconomic picture, some people will yeah. be, as you were saying, in a better category than others to be protected. And some geographies and some marketplaces yeah. may be better than others. But what are other things we can actually do proactively about this, and particularly with pricing in mind as well? Yeah, the second chapter in my pricing power book is don't start a war you can't win. And the basic thesis there is many sellers run to discounting as a strategy like, hey, 20% off sale, 50% off sale. And they do that sort of as a competitive challenge to who else is out there type thing. That is like normal. What we're in right now is like the bizarro universe, anti-normal situation. And so honestly, one of the things that you might consider doing in this context is a reverse sale and telegraphing your reverse sales punches. And so let me describe what that would look like. So rather than saying, hey, we're going to do a 20% off sale starting on the 4th of July, you would do something more like this. Hey, our prices are all going up by 10% starting on the 4th of July to because our costs have risen. Now, what that does is actually a very interesting psychological trigger in the mind of the consumer. Because if you think through the logic there, if I say to you, you know, Michael, the new MacBook Air is going to be $2,000 starting July 4th, but right now it's $1,800, you're incentivized to go buy it today. It's very weird psychology because it produces the same months in the mind of the consumer as does a sale, but it's a reverse sale. Now, what happens to your <laughs> daily sales rate after July 4th? That's what you've got to think through. But the reality is in the inflationary rate we're in, I think doing the opposite, to quote George Costanza from Seinfeld, might be the right approach, which is do, you know, doing the opposite is the right thing, which is rather than having discounts, uh, think about telegraphing your increasing prices going forward and being very transparent with your customers. Hey, we're so sorry, but our costs just went up by 8% this month alone. And we have to raise our prices starting August 1st. And uh, we're so sorry, but we're doing our very best to control pricing. And we're going to have our $20 item will now be $21.50. That kind of approach, being transparent and honest about it, saying that you're not claiming victim status, but just being honest about the situation you're in, I think can be very endearing to customers and you'll get points for truth. And, and you, you don't want to be the kind of salesperson like those furniture stores that are always going out of business every other month. Like somehow they always have a going out of business sale, but the store is still there like the next month. You're like, wait, I thought you went out of business. Oh, that was just a going out of business sale. We didn't really go out of business. You don't want to do stuff like that. That's like stupid shenanigans, but this is not, we're not in stupid shenanigan time. We're in, this is real. This is reality. Your costs are going up and it probably does make sense to think through how to communicate that to your customers effectively. Uh, this is brilliant thinking. I, I like it very much because it hits so many things in one go. For starters, the economic realities mean that you cannot afford to cut prices to gain sales no. unless you're yeah. desperate for cash. And then of course, that is a 
a whole different problem. But also, I think, as I say to people so often, I love negotiations, which is a strange thing to say, but I just find that situation psychologically intriguing. And I think the truth is a great negotiating tool, as I say often, which isn't to say that I should lie the rest of the time either, but I'm just, in fact, engineering things or acknowledging reality is fantastic. In this case, it's great positioning. As you say, you're not being a victim, nice nuance to that as well. But being honest about the fact of, of what's changing. And the great thing is that every single person out there will immediately feel instinctively it's true, even if it yeah. isn't, because yeah. they are experiencing the same thing in their daily life. Their bread's sure. got up 30p. They're in the UK, the gas, as you would call it, or, or petrol's got up 50%, 60% mm. in the last year. Yeah. So they're used to that idea. Okay, that's a fantastic thing what other solutions have we got particularly around pricing area well i think just to play with that idea a little bit you really can probably earn credibility points if you play on that strength and describe for your customers the way in which you're trying to be the low cost provider for them or the person who's battling for them the most and maybe you even telegraph your punches hey our costs include shipping and the product itself, and then the labor to put it together. Break down your business for your customers and say, look, we're trying to save money in the following four ways or five ways, but nonetheless, we still have to raise our prices by 3% or whatever it is. Those messages, I think I think you want to think through that and the copywriting associated, but it's also the business truth associated with it. It's just, this, it's just what's happening behind the scenes a little bit more than maybe we usually do. I think that will be helpful. I read one time in the book I always love is Price, the Myth of Fair Value by William Poundstone. I've always recommended that book to our podcast listeners. You're probably all sick of me you know, mentioning it, but I think it's in that book that one of the research scientists have figured out that if you say to someone that you have to do something negative, they are much more agreeable to it if you just say because and give them literally any reason. And it's fascinating psychology, but, and I think it was from the Poundstone book, I might be misattributing that, but the idea holds. And it's basically the idea that if you just justify why you have to do something with a plausible reason, uh, your customers will be much more open to it. And they'll, at least in their mind, say, oh, I, I understand. I understand what's happening. I might not like it. I might not be agree in agreement with it, but I like these people. I like their product and they've told me why the price is to go up. So I think those components are things to play with as you think about how to increase your prices. So I think that's the first couple of steps into how to manage this situation effectively. Yeah, I like that very much. Giving reasons generally, I think there's Cialdini principle saying the word because and okay, then yeah. giving any anything really, which isn't to say okay. that it yeah. isn't true by Pounson because it's a bit more specific, isn't it? I think yeah. I love your idea of, of being almost open about your costs and then without, I guess, being so open that your competition reverse engineers what you're doing, but it may mm -hmm. be they can't do anything about it anyway. Yeah. And we're trying to save money in the following ways. That's brilliant messaging. And I think actually this reminds you of another thing that I think... Um, a, a meta lesson that I'm getting from a lot of this stuff is in difficult times, you've got to do the things that in better times you should be doing anyway. One of which mm -hmm. they say people want to see how the sausage is made, quotes. Mm -hmm. So I think revealing how stuff is made, particularly if you've got an artisan type product or a premium or a, what's the word, something where the people are very enthusiastic about the yeah. product type and they want to know about provenance. So that applies to certain kinds of cheese or whatever. My wife mm -hmm. is forever watching YouTube videos on how particular French cheeses are made. And without going over the top, you can even apply that to <laughs> any product category, I think. And the more people have to pay for even yeah. mundane daily items justifying that and letting people in on it instead of trying to pull the wool in some way fool them i think is well, really important you've touched on an important thing that i was thinking about 
as I was getting ready for the show, which is the idea of managing your brand as an up market brand or a down market brand is your choice. And so just to describe it, if you're a premium provider in your niche, like you've got the highest price and you've got a brand reputation that affords you that ability, then in troubled times, you have options. And one of the options you have is to become middle priced seller or even be the low price leader. You've, you could do that. Now, that's a one-way slide. You can you can generally take your premier brand, your premium brand down market and become a more con- price conscious, middle priced seller, or you can go to being a low price leader and you'll have brand equity for a while, but the you won't ever go, you won't ever reinflate that balloon, the one-way slide. And, uh, but you can do that. And in troubled times, if you did have a premium brand and you're in trouble, then that's one of the cards you have on the table and you can play with your pricing to that degree. That's a pretty dramatic step. But to your point, and that is one of the things you get to manage is your positioning in the marketplace competitor, compared to your competitors. And it's something to think about as well. Yeah, I like that one-way slide. That's a very important point. And to your point also about sales as opposed to reverse sale, I think there's um, there's huge danger. in as I guess we're dancing around the other concept, which is that price is a positioning tool, which I know mm-hmm. is more about your sort of puts right. number three, really. Mm-hmm. That's what we're edging into. Maybe we should do that as well because we can talk that one through. So I know from your book, Pricing Power, principle three is aligning pricing and marketing. Yep. So to that point, price is a positioning tool. And if you keep having discounts, for example, there's a store called DFS, which I've never been to in my life, but you cannot move on for TV ads, which I don't generally watch TV. Most of the time I go and see my parents or my father-in-law at Christmas or, or sort of Easter, things like that. And they are 100% discounted all the time, as far as I can gather. And what that tells me is it gives me the signal that there's not enough demand for their furniture to sell a chair at several hundred pounds or whatever it is supposed to be. And it feels to me that if they ever tried to claw back to the higher ground of being genuinely premium, I just simply wouldn't believe them. And I don't think anyone else would. So as a business operation, you just create a new brand and the customer doesn't know that you're behind the premium brand and is so much because it's obfuscated and you, that that premium brand then is out there and you lean into that as the strategy for re-inflating the pricing strategy. Hey folks, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The E-commerce Leader. I know we are talking about some hard to stomach topics at the moment. I guess that's because the economy as a whole is looking a bit scary. However, I just want to emphasize that there are real solutions here and that pricing strategy, as Jason has identified, hence the book, Pricing Power, is a critical strategy in business at any point, but in a recessionary or downturn time, it's really critical. So it's worth buying that book. We've talked about principle number two today, which is all about don't start a war you can't win. In other words, don't start kicking off a war with your competition. But now the economy as a whole, the Fed, the US Fed, the Bank of England, whoever controls interest rates is entering the fray as is inflation. And we really need to be very mindful of our response to that. Hopefully today you've got some useful thoughts on how to actually address this as opposed to just the problem. We will continue with the solutions focus in our next podcast on the topic of pricing we're doing a big deep dive into it because it is so important principle number three is coming up which is aligning pricing and marketing so stay tuned for that in the meantime don't forget that you can find us regularly on call in on a sunday morning 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern or if you're in the uk 4 p.m 
and you can also find us on spotify apple Podcasts, anywhere else the final plea would be if you can give us a rating out of five stars on spotify or apple that would be fantastic and don't forget to subscribe or follow us on those programs as well those platforms i should say in order to get more good stuff and keep getting strategies that will keep you and your business not only surviving but hopefully thriving despite these tricky times thanks very much for listening that was the e-commerce leader podcast with michael Vizi in london england and jason miles in seattle washington if you liked this content don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources including pdfs and videos on topics like traffic products and sales channels just go to www.theecommerceleader.com no hyphens just as it sounds thanks so much for listening